up, everybody? We back. R2C2. Another week. A regular scheduled edition today. Episode, I guess. No, it sounded smooth when you said it that way. Edition, I think we should edition. go with that. Our regular right. schedule episode edition. Let's let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I uh, I hope people enjoy. I got a lot of good feedback um, for the episode we did talking about the end of the Yankees season. See, um, and kind of the way we we got into that. And so, if people have not yet gone back um, and listened to that episode, or they didn't know we recorded a bonus one this week. You can listen to that wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, on YouTube as well. You can always watch our episodes in full. Um, and remember to continue to rate, review, subscribe uh, wherever you get your pods. So, yeah, make sure you go back and, and listen to that. You also can go back and listen to Rob Thompson and Dusty Baker, who we've talked to um, over the last couple of weeks, the two managers who will be facing off in the World Series. Today, I'm pumped, see, for uh, us getting to talk with Jimmy Rollins and Ryan Howard together, mm-hmm. the former teammates. Um, now, uh, very much enjoying this Phillies run themselves. Um, Jimmy just coming off of, uh, uh, being a part of the, uh, the TBS crew for, uh, for the ALCS and for the playoffs. And he's also a, a special advisor, to Dave Dombrowski mm-hmm. and, uh, and Ryan Howard's been, been all around the Phillies during the last couple of weeks as they've made this run as well. So this and, is, and this is going to be fun. Guys, yeah. Both of these guys I'm super close with. I've been knowing Jimmy since shit, since he, I think he was. He had to be 12 and I was 10. So, um, yeah, we've been knowing each other a long, 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 long time. Um, So it's it's fun to obviously still have the relationship that we have. He's a big brother to me and for him to come on the podcast and, you know, battle out on the field for so many years in the big leagues. You know, the the year he won his MVP was the year I won my Cy Young. So, you know, we got a lot of, you know, symmetry there. So to have him on the the pod today feels good. You just know him from... Because you guys were both good at sports in the Bay well, Area, so you'd like yeah, hear about each other? So we're from the Bay, and he, he has a little brother that's the same age as me. Gotcha. So his little brother was a really good baseball player. So me and Antoine ended up playing together a lot. Um, nice. Whether it was, you know, all-star games or tournaments or different stuff. Our last two years of high school, we played on the same summer team all year. So our families got to be extremely close. And, you know, Jimmy would send us bats, gloves from the Phillies organization. and. You know, he was he was our big brother. He's Antoine's big brother for real, but he was like a big brother to me. So, you know, like I said, to to be able to compete against him in the big leagues and, you know, still have that long relationship is awesome. That's so cool. We are pumped about this episode. C and I will give you our World Series prediction on the other side of Jimmy Rollins and Ryan Howard joining us on R2C2. So, see, I, I feel like we're getting access to uh, your Phillies playoff run group chat right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these two definitely had a bunch to do with my my playoff run, especially 08 and, and then 09. Both ways. <laughs> both, both, both ways. It's, it's good to Shoot. get the perspective of, you know, guys from Philly that actually, well, guys that played in Philly that actually won in Philly to get the feel of the city and, you know, what the organization is actually feeling like. So I'm just happy that Jimmy and Ryan came on. Yeah. Appreciate you. For sure. It's nothing. We appreciate you guys being on. I guess that that would be the first thing I'd love to dive into is something C has talked about as well. Just how invested do you guys feel right now in what this team is doing? Well, for me, uh, it's, it's definitely more probably now than in the past, just being my new role coming on, uh, um, assist 
uh, Dombrowski and the capacity that I have, just learning a lot about that side of it. As players, we know one side. We know today, we know winning, we know now, make the move, this is who we want, bottom line, period, you know, exclamation mark. But on the other side, I'm getting to understand why they do and don't make certain moves, how they're trying to get a feel for the team, what money is coming off the books, you know, who we're going to try to go get later, et cetera. So now I'm like, okay, I see both sides of it. And I'm involved in that capacity. Not that I've made decisions. I've given my opinion. Uh, they've had me come in and talk to Bryce and, you know, just, just little things along the way. So because of that, I'm drawn more in now than I have in the past. Other than that, I'm always going to be a fan, but it feels like I had maybe just a little smidge of something to do with I, the success of this team so far. <laughs> not, not really, but it just makes you feel that way. You feel me? Yeah, I would <laughs> say, you know, obviously I'm not there in the capacity of what Jimmy is. Um, and then being able to kind of see some of the other behind the scenes, putting the team together. So, you know, just kind of being from the fan standpoint, former player standpoint, um, it's good to actually kind of see these guys finally gel and finally come together to be able to do what they needed to do. Jimmy and I have had multiple conversations about the squads over the past few years. And to me, the one thing I've noticed with these guys is that they finally figured out who they are. They finally found their ID. And see, as you know, like any team that you're on, that's a great team, whether it was the the the, the Cleveland squads or the Milwaukee squad and eventually the the Yankee squad that you, you won with in 09. <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> You, you understand that there's there's an identity, you know what I mean? Like you go you go about it and you find that identity, you find that chemistry, and that's what these guys have finally been able to do. So for me, you know, being kind of a, an alum, former player there, it's it's fun to watch and kind of see some similarities from those squads as the squad to the squads that we had. Yeah, you know what's crazy to your point, Ryan, is is um I feel like the squad kind of got the of like found their identity when Bryce went out. Because you can't just lean on him. He was having an MVP-type season leading up to when he got his hand broke. But everything was just kind of leaning on Bryce. Like, we're just going to wait for him to save us, hit a three-run homer, do something late in the game. And I feel like when he went out, other guys had to step up, whether it was Alec Baum or Reese Hopkins or Gene Segura coming back. Like, these guys have really stepped up and, you know, found their own role with the, when their superstar kind of went out. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, man. I mean, it's like it's one of those things where – as you know, guys go down, it's got to be a next man up mentality. Um, you know, if you're going to sink or swim with, with heart being there, then majority of the time you're going you're gonna to drown. You know what I mean? So uh, the way those guys were able to kind of come into their own, like you said, Segura on defense, getting hits, Baum, you know, stepping up and making plays. I mean, it's just been everybody all throughout that entire lineup has, has come through and contributed. And to go on with that, um, you know, as as you go through those times where players are injured, you do have to find different people to step up. And with this team being so young, it was almost necessary. Like you said, you leaning on Harp to come through and always be the hero, but no one else gets to find mm -hmm. who they are. And they had to. And it was rough at times. It was times where I'm like, right. all right, these dudes, you know, who's the leader? It's really who's the leader? Who's the guy on the field every day in the clubhouse that's taking them out there, showing them this is how we have to win, that we have to believe, not hope. Right. Everyone hopes to win. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Hope if the wind blow this way and it blow that way, that's the way you're going. But belief cuts through all of that. At some point they found it. And then when Bryce came back, and let's mm -hmm. face it, this is the healthiest they've been as far as a the lineup. They didn't get the contributions that they were expecting from Castellanos. Bohm stepped up. Uh, Stata stepped up. 
guys coming in, just oh like that's no seven. We had <laughs> like 50 pitchers, it seemed like that year. This, and you know, they've made trades, brought a guy in for a week, released them. That's how it's been with their position players. So it's the exact opposite in that sense that they've had so many guys and far as position players trying to come up and contribute that when they finally kind of weeded out everybody and said, this is who we have, they said, like you said, this is what we have to win with. And who are we? I think Schwarber had a lot to do with that. I'm sure Bryce did behind the scenes, although he wasn't on the field. And a character that uh, Real Muto uh, seems to be had a lot to do with that. When they finally got healthy mm-hmm. and they jailed, as you know, baseball is about timing. You get hot at the right time and you're healthy at the right time, good things can happen. And I think that's what we're seeing. Yeah, and, and this squad is different in a sense of like, you guys kind of all came up together and had like this arc where you had, you know, 07, 08, you know, and then 09, you guys, 07, you were right there, 08, you win, 09, you're in the World Series, where this team was kind of like put together through free agency, whether it was Bryce or Nick, and then you got Zach Wheeler. So these different guys, they had to gel in a different way than you guys did because you guys knew each other forever and was coming up together, where it was you and Chase or, you know, and you and Ryan and y'all relationships were already formed in there. And these guys had to just kind of, you know, come together, you know, this summer and try to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's with every team, uh, you know, kind of going back to our squad, we had a lot of homegrown guys and we were able to develop that core, that core group of guys at a younger, at a younger age. Now you look at them and you look at who's the core on this team. Well, Obviously, yeah, you go, you sign Bryce out of free agency. You bring in Rhea Muto before out of free agency. But they've already played together for two, three years. You got Wheeler. You got No-No, Nola, who's homegrown guy, been there. You got now Stott. You got Bohm. You know, so you got some of those guys that are those homegrown guys that are coming out there. And Reese, Reese yeah. and you're, looking, and you're and looking at that as your core group. And with any core group of guys, hey, we got a long John Silver's that piece and go add a piece. Go get a guy here. Go get a guy there so that we can go. Of course, you go and you go make the trade and you get uh, Brandon Marsh to come in there, play center field. And he's been playing amazing out there in center field. So it's always about going there and adding those extra little pieces here and there that'll help just kind of cap off everything you're trying to do. You know, you guys talk about identity. What, What would you say is the identity of this team? Oof. Uh, in my opinion, I would have to say they're a bunch of grinders, Mm. but it took those injuries for them to grind. Um, You know, first of all, you have to fight against the city. You know, when when you're playing on the East coast, if you're not performing, you're not just fighting the media, forget the media, these fans that show up every day, you know, expecting a performance when you're not at your best, you don't quite know who you are. So you have to win those over. You're fighting those people. And then the media on top of that, just, just part of the product of being on the East coast they are media driven. They're sports driven. They love their teams. It isn't just, well, we're going to go to the Phillies game or Eagles game or Sixers or Flyers. It's like, nah, we going to see our team win. And if we don't win, <laughs> you ruin my night, you ruin my weekend. So learning to deal with all of that, you know, learning to understand that. And this is one thing I tell people about the East Coast. You have to understand yeah. you are just borrowing that uniform. These people will live, die, bleed do weddings because of this, get you know, all those things happen on the East coast. When you understand that you are borrowing that uniform and they actually live this, you understand them. You understand that passion. And I think these guys finally were able to grind through all of the mess, all of the hate plan here, all the stuff that happened to say, 
This is what this city wants. This is how we survive in the city. If they could survive in that city on that field, playing a game becomes secondary. This is the easy part. We go out there, we do our thing, but we won these people over, which has always, always felt number one. Play the game. You could be as fancy as you want to. If they don't feel you out there trying to run through walls, it's like, oh, he cool. He on the team. But, you know, I like this dude. Right. He's not even as good. But he going to go out there and run through a wall. Once you develop that, you know, relationship with the fans and they're able to see that, they buy into it. When you go out there and it's a home game, oh, my goodness, you're talking about an advantage. When you go on the road, your fans start to travel. It's like whether we're on the road at home, they're watching us. We got to go grind because when we get off this road trip, we have a bad <laughs> road trip. They're going right. to boo us when they announce our name. So you just, you know, you just kind of, <laughs> you got to, you know, put it all together. And they finally found it. What does that do for you as a player? See, you've experienced a fan base like that, obviously, with the Yankee fan, Jimmy and Ryan. You've experienced it with Philadelphia. Um, wh- what does it do for you as a player when you know you have that kind of fan base where it's like, hey, like, you know, I mean, this isn't St. Louis where they're going to love you no matter what. Right. Even, you know, San Francisco, like if Aaron Judge goes and signs there, he knows for 10 years he's never going to get booed never. no matter what happens. <laughs> you know, like you know, it's never going to happen. But, <laughs> right. but if he goes, right. you know, <laughs> 0 for 12 in the middle of a 62 home run season, he will at Yankee Stadium, right? What, what, is it, what does it do for performance, for actually, you know, trying to do your job when you know that, you know, you, you kind of have these people leaning on you, breathing down your neck as you are trying to perform? I, I mean, I'm, I'll just say it because it's, because um, I kind of went through it towards the end of my career in Philly. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's tough. I mean, look, we already have our own expectations for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think our own expectations far supersede that of anybody else's that they could ever put on us. But I mean, I just remember when I, the year I hit 58 homers, the first thing that was said the next year was, well, yeah, I think if Ryan pulls the ball, he can hit more homers. I was like, (laughs) I was like, I was like, when did 58 not be enough you know what i'm saying so it's like you know it's it's, it's one of them things where everybody else is always gonna have their expectations out there and i think that's one of the biggest things that guys just have to do when you go there you understand hey when you sign that permission slip sign that contract you understand the fans are going to get on you and do this and do that but at the same time you know your goals somewhat align with theirs because you're not going out there and saying, hey, you know what? I feel like going 0 for 4 with four punchies today, and, and I'm going to make a couple errors. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to go out there, and you're going to give your all. And I think a lot of the time when in, in a New York or in a Philadelphia, when they see that you're giving that effort, right, and you're going, and like Jimmy said, you're running through walls and doing all kind of stuff like that, trying to go the extra mile, make the extra play to help your team win, they take that into account. I think they take that into account, but I mean, there, there are those times where, you know, I think the media can play a huge, huge factor in that because a lot of people are just getting all their information from the media and not seeing, well, Hey, that guy might've gone zero for four today, but he hit four balls really hard, you know? So, and a guy made a diving play. So some of that stuff is out of your, out of your hands. But to me, it was always about just trying to stay within myself and understand like, I'll never be able to live up to anybody else's expectations because their expectations are going to be far greater than whatever they have for themselves. So 
you know, it's, it's one of them things where everybody just kind of has to stay in their own lane. And as the player, you just kind of have, all you have to do is just live up to your own expectations. And for, like for me playing in that, it was just, it was, it was humbling. Like you just stay mm-hmm. humble and even kill because you're never yeah. as good as you think you are or the media or these fans, you know what I'm saying? Gonna pump you yeah. up and it's never <laughs> as bad. You know what I mean? Right, like right. you just got to stay in the middle and it's the hardest thing to do as a baseball player, stay in the middle. But if you can, on the East Coast, you have to be able to, to find that that space where you can just live with the result and, and, and worry about your process. And that's what people, you know, that sounds cliche and all of that shit. But like for us going through playing in Philly, playing in New York, it's really just about the process and getting ready every day. And the result is the result. If I'm healthy and, and, I'm, and I'm able to, to make my 35 starts, my year is going to be what it is. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So it's just about me being able to go out there and, and, and perform and stay out on the field. Um, so it was just always being, it was humbling and, and staying even killed, but it was always on your mind. Like you'd be on vacation in, in Christmas time thinking about fucking a game in May that you got to pitch against the Red Sox. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm fucking, I'm already, my, my shit is already fucking spinning. It's Christmas time. I'm thinking about a game in May. So it's always on your fucking mind. Always. Right. <laughs> uh, you stay ready. You stay ready. For sure. <laughs> you know, I, Jimmy and Ryan, we had uh, Rob Thompson on a, a, a week ago, which for anyone who didn't hear that podcast, make sure to go back and listen. Um, and I was telling Rob uh, just a story of my experience dealing with Philly fans, and I won't retell the story other than to say it's definitely the most intimidating fan base I have ever experienced <laughs> in my life. Yo, um, I seen a, I seen a video of A Rod going into the stadium the other day, him and Big Poppy, and they were killing A Rod. Oh, we paid no. you. Oh, they was going away, Rob. But then the guy turned around. He's like, "But we love you, Big Poppy. We love you." (laughs) (laughs) Those fans are the best. I'm I'm wondering, Jimmy Ryan, because we're kind of talking about dealing with it. You know, when it when they're getting on you as the home team. But is there any sort of memorable experience you can think of seeing guys come to play in Philly as opponents? you know, and seeing them shook, whether it's individuals or teams, big game, otherwise, like when I just say that, like, can you remember a time where you're like, Oh, our fans got him. Like that guy's going to have a problem or like that team's in trouble. Can you remember a time where that really resonates? I would say for me, I, I may go to the 08 world series when Tampa had to come <laughs> here and have those two extra days <laughs> hanging out in the city. And I'm sure it was like New York when, uh, who was that? The Cle- truck uh, come Cleveland, there the other yeah. day. Was it, uh, yeah. Cleveland? Like, yeah. Cleveland when they when they got kicked out exactly and hotels like nah we don't have room you got eight thousand hotels in New York y'all got rooms you know what I'm saying so you know we got rained up for two days and the Lowe's hotel was like you know we already booked up so this team had to go all the way down to Delaware but during the games even before that you know they again on Evan Longoria calling Eva I mean just wearing them out. Phillies fans, you know, in, in the World Series, you have the family section, and all around them are Phillies fans. Oh, we, oh, we know. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 hey, yeah. Also, they, they do their homework. They find about your mama, your kids, and they're going to say something about them. So here they are, these players having a focus on the mm. game, but knowing that their family is being somewhat threatened. Not that they're going to do something, but they're making them feel that way, making them feel very uncomfortable because they know that translates. They're going to go to their husbands, boyfriends, fiancés, whatever you are at the time. That's what was happening in the stands. So now, in between pitches, what are they doing? Looking up in the stands, make sure everything's cool. 
that little bit of concentration is all that's needed to be gone in order for us to have the advantage. So I, I, I saw it, I witnessed it. And then when I heard about it, I'm like, I've heard about Philly fans. I've never had to experience it because I'm on the good side. But man, that really mm-hmm. happens. I've been on the other side of it, no doubt about it. But, you know, I was good. I'm like, I, I, yeah. I, I, I talk trash. I know what it is. You, you know, being from the Bay, we talk trash. If, if, if ain't nobody throwing punches, all it is, we're going back and forth. But some people not used to it. You know, you come from a Tampa Bay environment where it's very, you know, it's domed up and you got 15,000 fans. If the Yankees and Boston <laughs> show up, you know what I'm saying? Other than that, you got about five. And Philly, this is, yeah. th- this is everybody that we don't like. You know what I'm saying? That's pretty much everybody not in a Philly uniform. I, I, I would I would second that. I would second. That. I actually <laughs> just to follow up too on that Longo story. Um, I had ran into him after World Series in 08 down in Tampa, and we were like out and about, probably at the club. And that's probably about came, right. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> so he came, he came. He came over, man. He was like, bro. He's like. When those fans started chanting Eva, he was like, <laughs> he was like, he was like, I was done, bro. And that was his rookie year, too. That was his first year. That was his first year. Bro, I was like, hey, man. They, 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 yeah. I'm like, giddy. Well, Ryan, you yeah. said you thought that they were going to be uh, bad with A-Rod the next year, but they were, they, they were good because y'all had won the year before. Yeah, yes. they, weren't as, they weren't as bad as I thought they were going to be, man. I thought they were going to wear him out. But, um, you know, it, it was what it was. and It was on a full you know, belly. Hey, it was on a full yeah, belly. We, we, yeah, <laughs> they, were, they, were, they were full, man. They, we needed them to get on Hideke. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we needed. For real. That dude had a that's coming out needed. party against us. <laughs> I'm sent him a bad pizza or something. <laughs> 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 oh, pull, pull, a, pull a jazz in Jordan. Yeah, yeah you already know. You, you know oh, what, though? No. Well, we went there in 09. So well, in 08, we went there. Played y'all in in uh, what was it the DS right? We played y'all when yes, I was in yeah, Milwaukee. Yeah, with the Brewers. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and uh, we set a record for how many cheesesteaks we ate during the Stop. like. The, no, we like we with crushed. <laughs> yes, we uh, crushed cheesesteaks. That yes, exactly the whole time, and we can't <laughs> fucking move, guys. It was me, Prince, Cam. Like we just having a good time. You know what I'm saying? Get more yeah. cheesesteaks, more cheesesteaks. So oh nine, we go back. I tell Joe, I was like. No fucking cheesesteaks before the game. <laughs> they weren't on the menu before the game. We could only have them after the game. I was like, I don't want everybody in there eating fucking 15 cheesesteaks. Trying to set the record because they got the fucking thing up there. Trying to set the record for the fucking weekend. And we get our asses kicked. So it was no cheesesteaks so after the game. And fucking silly. That's that better move. That's that leadership. He's like, no, I feel for I'm not going to be full of cheesesteaks fucking crying <laughs> all off season. You said that itis was kicking in. It was, it, me and Prince were on Heavy. the bench sleep, guys, during some of those games. <laughs> wait, wait, but so, see, they had an actual, like, record up on the board they in keep, the clubhouse? They keep a sheet up and, like, who eats the most as a team, like, during the oh series. Like, gosh. whatever so series like three-day series, in, right? Three-day, right. four-game series, whoever eats the most, they have, like, a chart. So, and it's like a competition, obviously. <laughs> So we go there. This is a brilliant way to sabotage the opponent. Exactly. Straight up. Straight up. Hey, because we didn't have them in our clubhouse. Like, no, we didn't. uh, didn't, Swanee, Swanee, they were like on request. Like, Mm -hmm. but most of the time, 
if we want them, we would have them go get them from the business side because they were actually like fire. They were fire. No, those are the best cheesesteaks in Philly. Those are the best ones in Philly. Like I've been to to all, I've been to Pat's, I've been to every, those are the best ones in Philly. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we only had chicken cheesesteaks. That's all you can get. And it was like, we wanted the beef, you had to get it from the visiting clubhouse. Yeah, because yeah. we was we, over there fucking, we that. We had, yeah, because we had the itis over there. <laughs> <laughs> on field advantage, man. <laughs> I don't, I don't, but you can't talk, you go to New York, they feed you lobster, I'm mashed here, potatoes, <laughs> ribeye. You know what I'm saying? You walking out like this, like, man, this ain't yeah. that bad. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I, was, yeah, yeah, I, looked, right. I, I looked over there at, at the spread in New York in the visiting clubhouse. I was like, you said, Jay, they had a roast over here on the right. They had a <laughs> they had a dude over here making sushi on the left. Man, for real. Like, what? I'm like, like what does the home club house look like? If this, if we get in this, exactly. what does the home cause how do you get better for real? Hey, <laughs> that's exactly what they want you to think because they know you're gonna be a free agent at some point. So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. it's, it, it's a very smart tactic. I just love that we've uncovered today on R2C2 that the real reason the 2008 Phillies got off to the run they did was the Brewers were too stuffed to play in the NLPS. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh my gosh, unbelievable. Hey, you know, speaking of 09, which, um, you know, is happier for, for some people on this pod than others, but I, Jimmy, I just wanted to ask you because it's funny. Watch, did you guys watch Jimmy? I know you were in it, but you guys watched the Captain Doc uh, on Jeter on ESPN. I didn't watch all of it. Not okay. I just went to the preview yeah. party when he had an All Star break. Okay, I got the, It was dope though. Yeah, and you you know you're 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 in it at one point because you know you had gone on Leno or whatever, and they like ask you for your prediction, and you know obviously I don't have to remind you, but you you gave your prediction of uh, of Phillies in five, right? Right. Um, and it's funny because, like, you know, it's the kind of thing that, like, what are you going to do? Predict your team's going to lose? You know, of course you're going to pick your team. <laughs> yeah. But, like, but it obviously, like, for Derek and C, I don't know if, you know, what it was like eternally, but, like, he very much liked bringing that up after the series was over. And even in the doc, like, he liked bringing it up again. And I, I was wondering if what you caught of that in the aftermath of the World Series, did you get a feel of, oh, oh, that resonated with Derek Jeter after that World Series? No, not not at all. I mean, I really didn't care if it did or it didn't. I don't think, and, any, and we can all speak of this because we won. Nothing can inspire you more to win than winning the World Series. Winning the World Series. Than winning the World Series, period. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't matter who says what. I mean, you hear it, and here's the thing about talking trash, and we know this from the Bay. I don't know how y'all do it in St. Louis. It's up to you to stop me. You know what I'm saying? And if you don't, then I was right. And if you stop me, then okay, you stopped me. Cool. You did your job. And that's really all there is to it. So if you take it personally in that sense and it gets you more fired up, then I did my job. But that means you did your job by taking it and using it the right way. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've done it all my life. Some people know how to handle it. You take it and do it the wrong way. Anything I do is going to get on your nerves. It's going to irk you. Now, you're not worried about winning. You're just worried about trying to get back at me. So those, you know, those who know how to take it, those who know how to give it. And if, if it inspires you, then cool. You know, it's all for it. But at the end of the day, we're going to go out there, we're going to play this game. Somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to lose. And if it's us, then just same way I talk trash, respectfully. Great job. And at the end of it, you know, and what at the end of it, and slightly off subject, one thing I was proud about, though, outside of talking trash, that all my folks from the Bay had a ring. Dontrell got his first. 
Mm-hmm. I got mine second and C got his. I'm like, we didn't win, but you know what? I'm happy C got a ring mm-hmm. at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. interesting. You, you guys feel that connection. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We sure. would, uh, Me and Jimmy would always text each other before the season, uh, say good luck, and then right when the playoffs start, you know, let's meet in the World Series. And that year we actually fucking did. Yeah. But the one thing that about that, with his prediction, Jeet was the only one that seen that, Des. We, mm. None of us had no idea that, that, that he even said that. He got on the bus before we, before, no, he got on the, the game one was here, so it must have been at home. He came in and he was like, oh, did you see the prediction Jimmy made? So he was the only one that really saw it. We didn't, none of us really seen it. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So it was, it was him. And then when he told me, I was like, oh, damn, they, they feeling pretty confident. Because I know Jim. You know what I'm saying? I, mm-hmm. I've been knowing him my whole life. So I'm like, damn, they feel like they, I, I, I just, I, I assumed everybody thought that we were the better team. You know what I'm saying? Right. And when he said that, it made me a little nervous. I was like, damn, they feel like they could beat us. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I, I didn't think anybody thought that they had a chance to beat us. I thought we we were that good. You know what I'm saying? Just internally, like, being in our own little shit, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, shit, ain't nobody got a chance. Like, no chance. And then when he said that, it gave me, it made me a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. But it pissed Jeet off for sure. Apparently it pissed off a decade. Somebody translated that real quick. Right? Yeah, somebody, he got yeah, that translation. Got it was like he was, he was talking about fuck all y'all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. So when you guys are watching this Phillies run, and Jimmy, you talked about how there's a little more investment, you know, with you with being a, a, an advisor uh, to Dave Dombrowski. But when you both are, are and you've been, you know, around the team now. Are you like, are you living and dying with every pitch? Are you, are you, are you getting nervous? Like how, how, how do you kind of take it in as a, as a fan and also as an alumni uh, who's won a championship for this organization? Yeah, good question. I, I'm, it's, it's still more of a fan than, um, you know, the front office side, no doubt. Yeah. I can't say live or die with every pitch but I'm definitely invested in every single pitch, ball strikes, swings, non-swings, bad defense, you know, just like, bro. And then I have to take a deep breath and remove myself because, you know, you feel that energy, like, like, what can I do? And it's, there is absolutely nothing I can do. I can't hit. I can't run. I can't, nothing. So I have to just take a deep breath and, 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 and create some space and just, you know what, take it in no matter what happens, win or lose. I can't allow myself to go down that road because I'm not in uniform. I can't put on uniform. I'm done. So it's, it's, it's weird that space because yes, I'm invested in every single thing that's happening, but I still have to take that step back and realize I can't be, I'm not in it. Yeah. And, and that's for me. I'm the same. Like, I don't, I, I don't want to be a part of wins and losses no more. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I, I, you know, and I, I go down to Yankee stadium a lot and I was down there a lot early this year. But it's just like you get so invested, you know what I'm saying? And like we lived that for so long that I don't want to be a part of that shit no more. It's not my time anyway, right? And I don't want to be in the you know any of the clubhouse stuff or anything that's going on. Like I just want to. So I, I like I, like midway through the season, I, I just stop going. You know what I'm saying? Like and just being in there all the time <laughs> and just start like turning to a fan where I can just watch it from a distance. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think I ever want to go back to wins and losses determining a good, good, good or bad job for me. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I like, it's just, we, we did that for so long. And like you said, we have no control 
over what happens on the field. Like, we ain't throwing no more pitches. You ain't stealing no more bags. Oh. <laughs> and Ryan, you ain't hitting no more homers. You know what I'm saying? So right. it's like, fuck it. I'm just watching and keep my distance and be a fan, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I sit back. I sit back and just watch it as a fan. And then, it, I mean, like you mentioned earlier, see, it's about staying even keel. I mean, you're you're invested in it, in, in the game. And then all of a sudden, like your game mindset kind of comes into play with the situations that are taking place in the game and understanding like, okay, Hey, all you got to do is get this dude over. All you got to do is do this or just make this play. Understanding what situations are. Cause I've always looked at it. Even, even though I've been out of the game, I've always looked at it like that. But I mean, as far as like being overly invested in a win and a loss, I'm like, yo, they ain't writing about me at the end of the day. So <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. Oh. See, really? now you have to take this mentality uh, with your Raiders as well, because I wish I could, bro. I wish I could. If I could, I would. I swear to God, I would, but uh, I cannot. <laughs> he'll, he'll post something. I'll DM him about them Niners. Y'all, I'm a Niner fan. See if you up there. See, like, man, we trash, bro. Like, like we I don't fucking even understand. trash. <laughs> this motherfucker's from Oakland and he's a Niner fan. I don't understand they, that. They were in LA, though, bro. They were in LA. They, they, to me, to me, they LA Raiders, period. All I had was a Niner. <laughs> my I grew up an L.A. Raider fan. I ain't going to lie. Exactly. I was an See, L.A. Raider. Look, I like Bo Jackson. Mm, I don't okay. like the Raiders. I like Bo Jackson. But I had Joe Montana, Jerry Weiss, Roger Craig. Yeah. Uh, what was our um, – right, Ronnie Lott. Shit make my stomach hurt, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, we, look, and we winning. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> y'all was at the Coliseum just running circles. Had we Bo Jackson not, running. We ain't <laughs> never won, cuz. We ain't, we ain't never won. <laughs> I get, y'all got 03. Did y'all win 03? No, we lost in the Super Bowl. Y'all, oh, because I went to that one. Y'all, y'all lost. blew out. Yeah, I left at halftime. By Tampa. Tampa. Tampa, okay. Tampa. See, because I went oh, yeah. to that game. I yeah. went to that game just because it was the Raiders. I'm not even around. I'm like, but everybody I know probably going to be out there. But she had the Playboy parties doing all the body paint at the time. I was up in there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When he loved the game, but shoot. Hey, but that's but that's how people, they they always had that same reaction. She had like, how? I'm like, they were the L.A. Raiders. That's you know, Nor- NorCal don't mess with SoCal like that. So it was like, yeah, I, I can like the Raiders, but they, they represent everything L.A. And I'm everything. And they, when they so, came back, they came back. You was already in high school. I was, I was a junior in yeah, high school. Yeah, you was a junior high school. I was a freshman. Yeah, I was a yeah, freshman in high a school. Yeah. Oh, it's funny. I, um, you know, I'm wondering when you guys look at the, the you talk about this Phillies team finding its identity and this run that they've gone on. What, what have you guys noticed about Rob Thompson and why the switch to him was the right one and why he has been the right guy for this group? In my opinion, a player's manager is always the best type of manager, player's coach, whatever. And I think people hear the word player's manager, meaning that they're going to favor the player, be soft on a player, and, you know, whatever things, bad connotations you get when you hear the word player's manager. When in reality, all it means is, there's two-way communication. We're going to be clear about this. You're going to know where you stand every day. I'm going to be the buffer between the top, the media, and this clubhouse. I'm not going to throw you under the bus. I'm not going to let them come in and tell me who I should and shouldn't play. I'm going to stand with you guys. And when you're in that dugout, you have an idea. You come to my office, we can talk. Whether I listen or not is something different, but you're going to feel that you have that respect, that mutual respect going back and forth. When you have that, you're going to go out there and play. When you have a guy that you can't communicate with, uh, 
doesn't come into the clubhouse, doesn't try to get to know the players. It's like, well, who am I playing for? Who is this dude? He has something of me. I don't even really know this cat. Is he doing it for his benefit or is he doing it for the benefit of me or the team? I don't know. A player's manager, you know, immediately everything he does, he's going to put just like Dusty Baker's one right now. He puts on that Superman cape. He's going to take all them bullets, you know, for the team. And you guys just go out there and play. He's going to protect this player. That's what a player's manager is. It's, it's not a guy who's going to be soft on the players. He's going to be firm. He's going to close that door. Y'all can have some one-on-ones. Y'all can go at it. At the end of the day, you're going to shake hands, hug. All right, let's go win a ball game. I can I completely agree, but I think also just to kind of add to that too, it's it's having something to where every player is is wanting to kind of they're they're buying into what he's selling, right? So you got to believe in what that manager is 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 preaching as well as the rest of the coaching staff. And I think obviously the three of us see uh, Jay, we've been on some squads like where we had you know Charlie and our coaching staff. It wasn't just Charlie, it was the rest of the coaching staff where it resonated all through. And the message, the vibe all came through where it was like, hey, we're all about winning. Like Jimmy said, they put on that cape, they take all the all the hits, all the bullets and stuff like that from the media, the media protecting guys, allowing us to just go out there and go do what we do, which is just go out there and go play and making the game easy in that sense. But I think, you know, in having a guy like Rob, like he's super easy kill. It looks like very chill. I haven't had too, too much interaction. See, I know he was on the squad in 09, but, uh, and I think like in terms of what those guys are doing now, they're, they're buying in. They bought into what he's selling. I mean, and obviously the Phillies have as well, which is why they gave him the extension. So when you can have a player's manager, um, as a player, man, that's it's one of the best things ever because you want to show up to the field every single day and you want to go run through a wall or go the extra mile for that manager and for your team. Man, Jimmy explained Topper to, to a T, to perfectly. That's I mean, yeah. that's exactly who he is, to a T. And I think you have to give a lot of credit to K-Long, too. K-Long, K-Long is someone who keeps the clubhouse loose, not just for the hitters. For the pitchers too, he's a hitting coach that affects the whole team and the whole team, the whole mood of the team. You know, K Long comes with with all that energy, and he's kind of like a he's kind of like a switch in that mm-hmm. way, like where mm-hmm. yeah. he's gonna bring the energy every single day, and he's having fun, so it makes you have fun. So I think those two having those two guys in there, I mean, you can you can ask for two better guys to play for. <clears throat> you know, it, it's um. It's interesting because that just seems like it would be really rare, see, to have a hitting coach have an impact that broadly well, on the clubhouse. Have you seen the hitting coach? That, that, I mean, go to he's been to the World Series with four different teams now. Mm-hmm. I know. He went with the Yankees, the Mets, the 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 Nationals, and now the Phillies. Pretty so, incredible. I mean, you know, he's 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 a pretty incredible human and coach. So he's one of those type of people. So Jimmy Ryan, you know, we can't let you get out of here without uh Getting a prediction. We don't have Leno here to to really anoint him. But, <laughs> but um, I, I, I'm guessing I know where you're going. So I guess I'll ask it this way instead of just like who's going to win. If you're filling in the blank, the Phillies will win the World Series if they can do blank or if blank happens. What's that blank for this series for your squad? Uh, I'll say if they don't give Houston extra outs. This team is too good. We saw it in the LCS 
Uh, we saw it in, in, in the DS. Honestly, um, you give them extra outs, they make it and they turn to three runs. They're not just getting one. You you know, that that, that fourth out and in is three runs later. And you figure out, you know, what just happened and they bring in that bullpen. It's a wrap. So two things, actually. So no extra outs and have the lead before the six. And you have a chance. Yeah, I'm a I'm a piggyback on that where again it's it's not giving them extra outs. You can't have laws on defense against this Houston team. They're just they're just too good. Um, I think the other thing is they've got to execute. I think they gotta go back to that small ball because when they did that small ball against the Braves, button guys over, getting into situations. I've seen it way too many times in games where I'm like, why don't they just bunt this dude over? And then you got your big boys coming up and you got two opportunities to to be able to try to knock this guy in because we all know when you get to the postseason, the pitching is better and runs are few and far in between. So when you're not hitting that two, three run homer, like you got to find ways to be able to get these runs. So, I mean, the Houston obviously on, on paper and obviously on the field is, is going to be the, the easy pick, but I think if these guys can go out there and they can clean it up on defense, not giving them extra outs, and they can go out there and execute that small ball and what they did, um, you know, against the Braves and later on in the season. I think they got a really, really good shot of, of, of taking it and surprising a lot of people. Yeah, it's the extra outs and getting the bottom of that lineup out. Martin Maldonado yeah. turned that lineup out over so many times. Chaz McCormick, they just turned the lineup over so many times to put runners on base without two. I mean, Altuve was cold, but still having that type of pressure, you got to get the bottom of the lineup out. I just want to yeah. ask you one, one last question, Jim, about when you say extra outs. I know you was at the game, game four, ALCS. What did you think with the shortstop coming to, like, I thought the pitch was pretty good to IKF. Did you think he was, I mean, for me, I thought he was, he was yeah, he was, I, didn't he was out of he position. Was try, I didn't think he was trying to turn a double play. I think he was just trying to get the out at second. I don't think he was going to try to throw the ball to first because the way Altuve peeled off, he throws that ball. He's going to hit Altuve in the face anyway. I, he So... He, was, he just got out of position. It was like he was expecting a perfect throw. And one thing as we're as infielders, we're taught, you never expect the ball to be perfect. So when I watched it, you know, instead of coming directly to, um, to Torres, he was kind of going around the bat. So as he got the ball, you know, a slow hit ball, so he's going to try to give him that quick, hard feed. If he stays center on the back, it's an easy catch. He catches off his left side, maybe step on the back with his um, off his right side. Use his left foot to step on the back and take the inside lane. But he was going on the outside. Mm-hmm. So when the throw comes across, his feet got tangled. So now he's trying to you know, trying to figure out which foot he's going to use to step on the back. The throw uh, comes from the in- inside part of the back, and he stumbles. Now he goes out in the right field. That was huge because we always say you can't assume a double play, right? Assuming a double play means get the out at first. You always get the out a second. You put yourself in positions like old school. You you, you kind of shuffle your feet before you get to the back. Then you read the throw. He was already committed. There was no shuffling. There was no reading of the throw. It was like this throw has to be here. And when it wasn't, it was out in uh, left field. And that was that was huge. Yeah, Absolutely that was huge. The game. That was the I game. mean, I mean, it was. And I and I actually thought I'm like that was the first game that the Yankees showed up. When I say showed up, meaning they weren't trying to hit home runs. They got yep. you know RBI singles sat flies, whatever they were doing that first inning, they, they were coming out, bang, bang, bang. Like, you can see the intensity that their mindset switched on how they needed to win uh, this series, or at least to come back in the series. But that era, we're talking about those extra outs, man, that, that ended up being real big. Yeah. 
You was the first person I text right after that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> I'm like, bro, I'm like, that was strong. Like, and like, and 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 this is the good part about being on this side, because as a fan, you know, we get to sit back and ask those questions, but we're not invested, at you know, mm. to to the point where. You know, we we are blind to what really happened. I came back. I look. It's a Yankee. It could be a Met. It could be whoever. I can go back and just break it down for what it was. Because mm-hmm. no matter who we are, I mean, no matter where we are after our career, I think we just like to see professional game of baseball played the right way. Things executed. You know, pitchers making pitches, hitters getting hits, defense being played well. We just appreciate the game in a different way. So you know, when C asked, I'm like, he just man, he just. He, he, he just attacked the bag. He didn't read the throw. And it's, and it's just those little things that are the difference between winning championships and being at home fishing. Yeah. yeah. Amen. And well, all you gentlemen know the difference because y'all have a ring to show for it. Um, thank you guys for, for coming on R2C2 and giving us the perfect uh, World Series preview app. Um, enjoy the rest of this run. This is uh, It's been fun to watch. It's been fun to see the way the guys are connecting with all of you from you know your championship team in 08 and uh and and good luck to the phillies i pray for all the astros fans who will be headed to the ballpark there in Philadelphia. <laughs> 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 for real. i appreciate yeah. it y'all yeah appreciate appreciate you guys, guys, man. for sure for sure let's for do it again yes amen be well guys all right be good well, see, I uh, it, I love um, I love the story you told about the cheese sticks. I just absolutely love that man. That <laughs> That's is true, guys. It's hilarious. So true. It's oh. crazy. Me and Prince was in there putting them bitches away in 08, guys, <laughs> not knowing that that was the reason why we was getting our asses kicked. <laughs> oh my gosh, the coaches, the coaches, or the manager ever say like. Fellas, like this is not the fuel we need in your no, body. Nobody's for this. ever, nobody's checking the kitchen, cuz you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's that's not, I mean, maybe now, more so now, maybe. you know, now, not maybe for sure. Now they're checking the kitchen and checking what the guys yeah. are eating, but fuck, this is, you know, I mean, this is this is baseball, cuz like <laughs> nobody was checking what we were eating, and we put a we put a lot of weight that fucking that first series, the ALDS, it was terrible. Including your team. It was terrible. <laughs> Including uh, our fucking team. <laughs> oh, my yes. gosh. So, C, what is your prediction for the 2022 World Series? Man, I think, I think, it's, I think it's, gosh, I want to I say Philly in six. Um, yeah, that's, that's my prediction. I have the same prediction. Phillies in six. I feel like they feel like the team of destiny right now. Um, you know, we heard Rob Thompson, which if you guys haven't heard that episode, go back and listen. The way he detailed Kyle Schwarber's leadership was so interesting yes. and, uh, and, and really stood out. Harper is in this unbelievable place with the way he's producing right now. Um, they feel like a team of destiny. Their crowd is going to be obviously incredibly insane. raucous, yeah. insane top of their rotation. It's pitching great right now. I do think they're going to get a, smoking hot Altuve and Alvarez after, you know, they were held down a little bit in the CS and Altuve both rounds there. And then you saw Altuve starting to come out of it in game three and game four. And he's probably going to hit about 380 in the world series. Um, but I like the Phillies. I feel like it's their time. They've answered every test. 
thought the National League playoffs were way harder to navigate. Um, you know, the granted, obviously, meeting the Padres instead of the Dodgers was a little different, but Padres were hot. They took care of them. See, I think that they I think they find a way, man. I think they find a way to complete this magical run. And like yeah. Rob Thompson told us in a pod, he said, he said all along, if we can just get to October, we're gonna be real dangerous because we've had so many regular seasons recently where we collapsed at the end of the season. If we can just get out of that. Everyone's shoulders are going to drop. They're going to exhale, and we're just going to play. That's what we've seen thus far. Um, so I think we see it for four more wins. Yeah, I love it. All right. You guys know the deal. New episodes every Thursday. Bonus episodes as well. We'll continue to monitor anything that does or doesn't happen in the aftermath of the Yankees being eliminated. Uh, obviously, stay on the early NBA season stuff um, and uh, be ready to dive into the World Series and, and what happens here between the Phillies and the Astros. So make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. uh, And also check out our YouTube page and tell everybody you know. We'll be back uh, next week. New episodes every Thursday. Peace, see. Peace.